So without further ado, let me introduce to you Victor Volkman and Irene Watson. Good evening. Good evening, Lillianne. This is Irene Watson. I'm the managing editor of Reader Views. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We're speaking to you today live from Ann Arbor, Michigan and Austin, Texas, over the InternetVoicesRadio.com network. You can hear us every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on this station. Today's topic is Legal Issues of Self-Publishing, and our special guest who will be joining us this hour is Mark Levine of ClickIndustries.com. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com. If you want to participate in today's show, you can instant message us by sending an email to info at authorsaccess.com with your questions and comments, and we'll read them over the air. Before we get started this evening, I would like to remind all our listeners that Reader Views and Loving Healing Press are sponsoring a short story writing contest. Send us your true story of a transformational event in your life, and it could appear in our upcoming anthology of stories. For more information on this contest, go to www.lovinghealing.com and click on Writing Contest. Now let's uh, talk a little bit about our guest, Mark Levine. He'll be talking about what to look for in a self-publishing company. And he's gone so far as to actually create an author's bill of rights. He will share with us the top ten items that make a self-publishing contract uh, not friendly to an author. Specifically, he'll also highlight the one problem that all self-publishing companies have in common. Lastly, we'll cover specific marketing techniques for success. Now, Mark graduated from Georgetown University Law Center in 1992, and he's practiced corporate entertainment and intellectual property law for nine years. Uh, he's also an author in his own right, written his first novel called I Will Faithfully Execute, published in 2000, which earned the Book of the Year Award and was actually read by former President Clinton. Mark's second novel, Saturn Return, is a coming-of-age novel that examines who we are, and where we're going, and who we're meant to be with. So right now, I'd like to introduce you all to Mark Levine. Hello, Mark. Hello. It's a pleasure to be with you both. Mark, um, you know, I'm sitting here as I'm talking, going to be talking to you and looking at your book, The Fine Print of Self-Publishing. And one of the chapters that's in the book is about the Bill of Rights. And give us an overview on what we really want to look at when it comes to our rights with a publishing company? Well, the first thing I think is paramount is when an author pays a publishing company to publish his or her book, that author must retain the rights to everything, no questions at all. And that means that author should be able to go to that publishing company at any time and say, I'm done with you, I want to go someplace else. And that author should be able to get his or her cover layout or the layout of the book and they should be able to go any place they want, put in a different ISBN number because they would obviously have to do that and print the book. I mean, that's number one. I mean, if, if you only remember two things about my book or about signing a publishing contract, that's number one. What most publishing companies do, or self-publishing companies, is when you read the language in their contracts, they say, yes, you paid to have a cover made and you may own the cover art, but we own the layout of the cover. And you own the content of your book, but we own the layout of the book. So what that means is if I don't like my publisher and I decide to go someplace else, I'm going to have to pay somebody else to, to relay out the cover and to relay out the book. Now, in my book, The Fine Print, 
all the companies that I rate as outstanding companies, if they used to have that practice, they changed it in order to be rated by me like that. The, anyone else in the book may or may not do that. Well, and certainly anybody who's not li who's listed as just okay or publishers to avoid, for sure do not give an author all of their materials back. So that's, I mean, overall, that's the number one thing. You, you, you have to own everything you pay for, and there can be no question that the company only has a limited license to publish your work. I mean, you have to give them some sort of a license in order for them to legally be able to sell your book online and put it on Amazon and do all these other things. But you have to be able to pull that license whenever you want. That's the whole idea. A self-publishing company is something to help you jumpstart your publishing career, not, not something to actually destroy it and make you never want to write another book, which unfortunately is what a lot of these companies do. So as I'm looking at this Bill of Rights, you one of article number six says here, allows you to terminate your contract at any time and without penalty by giving no more than 60 days written notice. So basically, you know, that's a really important part to be in a contract. And I just really wonder how many contracts really do have that. Today, most, in, if, you look in, if you look in my book, anyone who's ranked outstanding or, or pretty good absolutely has it in there. And um, many of them, up to 60 days is reasonable in that they have to have time to pull it off, on, you know, to, to cancel it on Amazon and do those types of things to stop it from being available. That's why up to 60 days is fine. You don't want a situation where it could be longer than 60 days because, and well, because what can, ha what can happen is let's say you have an opportunity to publish your book with a traditional publisher comes along, and all of a sudden the self-publishing company has your book locked up for a certain amount of time. A traditional publishing company can go on to 20 other writers just like you. They're not going to wait around for you to be getting out of contracts, and they're not going to be buying rights from some self-publishing company, and they're not going to do any of that. So that's why when I, 60 days is a reasonable amount of time to give a company time to get your, stop your book and pull it from wherever they're selling it and those types of things. Anything over that would be unreasonable. So other, uh, that's a really good point. Uh, the other thing that you explain here or um, indicate as um, article number three of the uh, Author's Bill of Rights that you have written says, explains exactly how the royalty percentage is calculated and doesn't back out vague expenses such as administrative and processing fees. Are you saying then that uh, some of the self-publishing companies will try to get these in after the contract? Well, not after the contract, but without knowing, without knowing exactly how much you get when a book is sold, once you sign a contract, if you don't know, if you don't know exactly here, if my book sells for $12, I'm getting X amount every time it sells. If it sells on Amazon, I get this amount. If it sells through the publisher's website, I get this amount. If you don't know exactly what you're getting, and not even with a percentage, that could be problematic. Unfortunately, what almost every publisher does, and even the good ones here do, is that while you may be getting exactly what they say you're getting, what they're doing is all of these companies, or mostly, well, let me say all the companies covered in this book make a big chunk of their money in marking up the printing costs because there's only about two major printers in the U.S. that most of these self-publishing companies use. And in my book, I point out time after time what it costs to print, and I use a 200-page standard paperback. All of them mark it up. So what they do is if the book really costs $3 to print, they're telling you it costs $5 to print. And that's built into, when they start calculating your royalties, they're building in their own profit on the printing and not counting that. So 
it's always a little bit misleading. But they have, certainly these companies have a right to make money. But I think they have some kind of obligation to tell the author what it costs to actually print the book and let the author decide if that's a worthwhile cost for the author to incur. I mean, that's an, I, in my book I say it a lot. Ask them, hey, I know it costs this much to, to print a book, so why are you telling me when I get to buy a retail, when I get to go buy a copy of my book from you, I get 45 to, 45% of the retail price when it's costing you X dollars to print. That's, that's kind of a hidden cost that's in there, but unless you ask about it and, and try to negotiate it out, it's going to be in there. These other things like administrative expenses and processing, those are things that they can, you know, it may say you get 85% of the royalties less a processing fee of this. Well, what is that for? You sort of have to ask, you have to ask a lot of questions. And what a lot of authors don't do, well, a lot of authors don't ask these questions mainly because they are led to believe in some cases that these companies have gone out and sought them out and found their work somehow and, and want to publish it. And even though they're paying to publish it, they're the author is being validated for their writing. And so in the, the eagerness to be, become published, people overlook a lot of things. And a, the new trick today some of these companies do is they go to the copyright office and they pull out people who have just copyrighted books. And then they get their information and they send them a letter and they say, hey, we've, we just went to the, we sent someone to the copyright office to look through material. We found your stuff and we think it's fabulous. We'd like you to work with us. In the past three weeks, I've had three or four people call me with that exact same scenario. And it almost works because they're like they're they think somebody went to the copyright office, dug through piles of books, found theirs, and thought we have to get this person published. So that kind of stuff happens quite a bit. So my, in my book, I, I'm hoping to get authors to ask the questions. And if you ask the questions that I do in my book and you don't get straight answers, I say in here you should go on to somebody else. Wow, there's that's plenty true. of people. Who, oh, there's plenty of companies who will publish your book and not. And not try to you know, not try to rip you off. If a lot of this industry, if you've ever seen the movie The Boiler Room, a lot of this industry is like that, where these are these people are selling hype that is ridiculous, and people are buying into. Of course, any company that keeps pressuring you to sign the contract, for sure, run away. Wow, that's really scary stuff. I didn't really know that kind of thing was going on, but you, you know, know what? I didn't know either. Reason, you know, with with. Uh, uh, the opportunity out there and, and people with money that there's always going to be a few unscrupulous operators. Um, what do you think about uh, some of the marketing packages that some of these self-publishing companies offer? I know, you know, they may have, you know, several tiers of marketing packages. Could run you maybe, I don't know, up to $10,000 or more. Do they really provide the value they say that they will? No, not in my opinion. I wouldn't use that. I, I don't think any of that stuff works because, you know, well, let's just take, Okay, we're going to send your your book out to a bunch of book reviewers. Okay, fine. But book reviewers are mainly, or well, let's say what we would consider a big time book reviewer. They're not going to no, they're not going to get a self published book. So that's going to be a that's that's a waste. And even smaller reviewers, there's only so many books they can look at, and all and everybody's getting the same kind of letters. So what's going to you? If an author goes in with the notion that their book is the greatest book and it's better than anyone else's book, you can't live in a dream world. You're trying to publish your book and run it and operate in some kind of a business-like manner. And it's not, and I don't say that to be harsh because I view my own books the same way. I mean, I accept that I'm a I'm a nobody writer and I'm okay with that. And I, I don't need I don't need to spend marketing dollars on stuff that doesn't work. These PR campaigns are not. Uh, I mean, uh, to go hire a book publicist and do all that, yes, you can get some radio interviews, maybe. I think for a book like mine, a nonfiction book in a very niche 
area, it's easier to get interviews and to get reviews because because of, of the niche market of the book. But my coming-of-age novel, if I hired a book publicist, I'd be throwing my money instead. I mean, I don't think any of those marketing the bookmarks, it's all, it's a waste of, it's a waste of time and a waste of money because the author in their head sees themselves at the bookstore with a huge line of people and the book signing and the posters of their book that they bought giving away. And that's great, and that really might happen someday. But until you are out getting people to buy your book and you have a way to have people find your book, those kind of things aren't going to happen. So there's only one kind of book marketing I think is really effective today, and I don't think it's what any of these companies do. These companies are, are living in an age that's passed them by. Again, and this is in my opinion, but I've been successful in selling my own books, and I've only done it one way, and that is using the power of the Internet to, take, to find people who are already interested in the topic and the theme and the subjects of my books and drive them to places where they can buy the book and learn about the book and learn about things that are associated with the book. To me, that's the place these people should be putting their time and their money, and the results will be a lot better. You know, Mark, uh, as you're saying this, and I'm thinking, well, as a review service, we, of course, get hundreds of books in every month. And, you know, there are some authors that, that do not have a website, and I'm just amazed that that is not one of the first things that they think about, is to have a website, because that is their storefront, their own personal storefront. And not only is it important to have a website, but today you have to have a website like you see a lot of author websites and there's five or six pages and they say, here's my books and here's my review, contact me. And that's great if you're John Grisham, you know, a major author because you don't need the website to sell your book. And that's fine. But if you're just an author, you need to have a website that is actually going to work to sell your book. And to do that, you have to do things like you have to do the research and find out the kind of terms that people search under when looking for things about that are related to your book. Then you have to build out content that on a website that would be related to your book so you can drive traffic to your website, either through natural search engine results or by purchasing advertising online. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways to do this online, but just, just to put up a website, it's, it, the Internet is not if you build it, they will come. That is not the way it works. So when authors, so when, even when I see companies that try to do that for authors, if you're not going to do it the right way, you're just... It's kind of like paddling with one paddle. You're just going to keep going in circles. And but you know that's a, that's a whole another area of education that authors have to be educated about. I mean, the, and that's the problem with self-publishing is first you have to figure out a decent company, and then once you get there, you have to figure out how to get your book sold because these companies are not going to help you do that. They're going to sell you stuff, and if you go look on their websites, you're going to think it's going to help you to do that, but in reality, that stuff. Doesn't, it doesn't work because without, without using the Internet, which makes it easy to find your stuff, you, you're making life way too hard for yourself. Definitely. I agree with you completely. On that. I'd just like to remind people that uh, you're listening to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get success. If you're just tuning in and may have missed the first part of our show, be sure to visit our website, authorsaccess.com, where you can find podcasts of all of our shows. If you have a brief question please email us at info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. Now today we're also giving away some copies of Special Delivery, a book of tips for writing and packaging your book by our past guest, Steve Neubauer, 
of WordWrite.biz. So if you'd like a copy of Steve Neubauer's book, Special Delivery, we still have a few, you can go to authorsaccess.com and click on Free Book Giveaway to your email address and mailing address, and we'll let you know if you free copy. Um, I have a question I'd like to ask Mark at this time. Um, what what should a new uh, self-published author know about foreign rights? They may get approached by someone who says, you know, I'm from a company in India and we would like the foreign rights. They may get very excited, but what should we be thinking, really? Well, the first thing you have to think about is that those countries have very poor copyright laws. And so what could happen is if you have someone over there dealing with your book, you know, your book could end up being printed and being sold and you might not ever know anything about it. And of course, when you start, you know, if you start dealing on your own and, these, and you have a problem to start dealing with another country, nobody who's a self-published author, for the most part, will be making that kind of money to ever be able to think about hiring lawyers themselves. So for you know, foreign rights, I think you know, either you're going to have to start. You'd have to work with a reputable company here or in Europe, or I mean, and that, that's not to say there's not reputable companies in other parts of the world, but you'd have to learn about them first. So, I mean, it's just like anything else. I, I don't think it's any different than picking a self-publishing company, but you you have to understand what it is you're getting into and what the ramifications. Are. Um, you know, what I when, when I get that question, a self-published author. Uh, the first thing I tell people is, yeah, well, let's hope that happens to you because, you know, that means you have a book that people are interested in and people around the world think they can sell. But I would, to me, that's always putting the cart before the horse. And I, those are not things that I think about for my own books very often. Um, you know, I've had some success selling the fine print in other English-speaking countries and picked up by some distributors. But these are not things that I intentionally sought out to do, I think if you have a book and it's selling, it's kind of out there and people know about it, those opportunities come. And, you know, I, I like to see authors stay as focused as they can on getting out a good book and then figuring out how to sell it. But, you know, with the foreign rights, I would do it just like anything else. I mean, there are very reputable people in that business and there are very shady people. And you have, to, and if you get approached by someone and it sounds too good to be true, it's going to be like anything else in life probably is too good to be true. And uh, that just leads me to the next question, and then we'll have to wrap it up uh, after this, Mark. In your book, The uh, Fine Print of Self-Publishing, which I believe that they can get right from you on clickindustries.com, is that correct? They can, well, they can go, the site that sells the book uh -huh. is Book Publishers Compared. If they go to clickindustries.com, they'll see a link to Book Publishers Compared. Okay. Okay. Um, they can get it there. People can always buy it on Amazon. If they buy it through our site, there's other options of the things that they can get that, that, may be, that, that they may like better. Um, but okay. Certainly the, uh, as I'm looking at this book here, you have uh, a list of self-publishing companies, and you've got them as outstanding, and you've got some that um, are okay and some to just basically stay away from. I mean, majority of the book has this list, and explains exactly what each one of these companies does. This is a lot of research that went into this. Just go a little further into this and uh, let us know how you came up with this list. Well, I came up with, I, well, I guess I could tell you how I came up with the concept first. Um, okay. I, one time I had a, when I was with the first publishing company, an author who was also with that company called me and said, hey, I signed this contract and I can't get out of it. Would you mind, you know, I know that you're a lawyer and can you, would you mind taking a look at it? So this guy was a professor at, uh, I think, Berkeley. And I looked at this contract, and I, the first thing that went through my head is, 
you'd have to be out of your mind to sign this contract. I mean, this guy gave away his rights for the whole term of the copyright, which was 70 years after he died. I mean, this is a professor at a prestigious university. And right there I knew that if, those, if a guy like this was not reading these contracts, that everybody else, most other people wouldn't be either. So that's what kind of gave me the idea for the book. Then as I started doing the research on, you know, I just found companies as, you know, I, whether I saw them in Writer's Digest or I saw them online. I mean, I, I tried to find companies that were out there and trying to promote their services. I and mean, there's a lot of companies that do this and claim to do this. And I can't, obviously can't cover them all. So, and then what I did was I would go on and email these companies from my personal email account and just like I was an author asking questions. So I would say, hey, I downloaded your contract and I noticed this. What does this mean? And if I got any responses, I asked for a contract and I got some people who said, we used to give a contract unless you're going to be published with us, which I don't understand how that works. Uh, anybody who treated me, I mean, either was doing something shady or, or, res or responded in a way that was not really friendly to help someone publish a book, some of those things are actually in this book. So that's so. In the when I did the first round of the book, that's what I did, and I kind of evaluated all the companies on a scale that had numbers. So some people were 9.2, some people were 9.8, and what was happening was, and I didn't really know the impact that this book was having until publishing companies started emailing me and saying, "Hey, I'm just letting you know that this company is saying you rate them really great, and we're ranked higher than them, and they were all threatening to sue each other, and there was emails going back and forth, and that was why." I changed the system to the one where I have now where it's kind of in groups because it was on, there was, the difference between a 9.2 and a 9.6 could have been how I, I mean, how I liked the color of their website or maybe I thought this page was easier to use than that page and, st and some stuff that maybe really didn't make a difference to getting out a good quality book. But now in the second edition, the one that you have in front of you, I sent out a questionnaire that had all these different questions. And I think I listed, I do list it in the book, the criteria that I had them. And that's how I evaluated it this time. So outstanding companies, any, some, there were some companies that wouldn't have been outstanding except when I pointed out parts of their contract that were not friendly for authors, they immediately agreed to the terms that I suggested. So any company that was taking that kind of a level of interest in authors is, is one that I would say is outstanding. Ones that um, made threatening statements or refused to produce a contract, any of those companies automatically went into the list of the ones to avoid. And in a, what separates an outstanding one from an, a pretty good one? It might be one clause of a contract that I did not think was great. But like I say in the book, if you go with the, any outstanding one or any pretty good one, you're probably going to be okay. I mean, you'll, your book will be, will be out there. They will say they, they will do pretty much what they say they're going to do. You're still going to have the problem of how am I going to sell this thing? But you know, you, someone's not going to take your money and give you a horrible quality product. Anybody else in that list? You know, I don't want to be the guy that says I told you so. But if you go with somebody who's not ranked in the first two categories in my book, the chances of you having problems are high, and you won't be very happy. So that's did, it, did that answer the question, or did it make it? <laughs> it sure it does. As I'm flipping through here, I'm finding it extremely interesting <laughs> of the uh, who ends up on what list. So um, I really pretty, commend you. It's pretty accurate. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I think I've I, I've heard from a lot of writers who've had experiences with the bad ones, who have said, "Had I known this, and this is exactly what happened to me, so had I known this, you know, you're absolutely right. I could have avoided this." I mean, I, I think I have it. I think I have it pretty dead on, and I don't think I made too many mistakes here. I mean, I think I got it pretty right about who's good and who's not. 
You've uh, been listening to another edition of Authors Access Live, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We are live on internetvoicesradio.com network. You can hear us every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on live internetvoicesradio.com. Next week's topic is going to be organizational matters, and our guest speaker is going to be author um, Bill Cooper. And uh, you can learn more about our guests and Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. To hear podcasts of today's show or to listen to podcasts of previous shows, please visit authorsaccess.com. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can just send us an email to info at authorsaccess.com and we'll reply back to you. Uh, thank you very much, Mark, for being our guest. And uh, for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson signing off. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.
Thank you very much for